So, with our, with our school-age kids in today, we're going to be a little more conscientious about explaining the way we do things in the service. But it'll also be a reminder to all of us who are in here as adults of why we do certain things as we go. And so we're going to start today with our worship by stopping for a minute, taking a couple deep breaths to kind of bring ourselves back to focus, bring our attention back to what the Word wants to say to us, what the Spirit wants to say to us. And then we're going to pray a prayer together that is often called the Lord's Prayer. It's really the prayer that the Lord gave the disciples, but we call it the Lord's Prayer, and we're going to pray that together as a way of confession, of asking, and of declaration. So, after we take a few deep breaths, Donnie will start the slide up there, and I will lead us in praying together the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Welcome, everyone. We're really glad you're here joining with us at Grace Church this morning. My name is John Ray. I'm one of the teaching elders here. And um, this morning, we get to share about giving glory to God. To God be the glory and only to God be the glory as part of our continuing examination of the Reformation and remembering 500 years later what happened during that time. My wife Jane and I have got to travel quite a bit in our career as missionaries and as teachers all over the world. And, and by far, one of our favorite cities in the world is St. Petersburg, Russia. Um, it's a fascinating city, and we, and we spent some very special time there uh, when we were newly married, young family, uh, with our daughter Hope and, and our daughters when they were little. And one of our favorite places on the, on the planet is the Hermitage, which is the world's largest art museum. Now you got to know I'm married to an artist, so that is very exciting. That's an exciting thing. And this art museum is so large, it actually encompasses six buildings over a campus that sprawls out. And even with the six buildings, they can only show a small percentage of the collection that they have. Most of the art that the Hermitage owns, nobody ever sees or rarely sees. It's just packed up downstairs. They don't have enough space to show it. 
And so you walk through the halls of this place, and it's unbelievable. There's a Picasso next to a Monet next to a Rembrandt, and they're, and they're like, unlike most modern art museums where you'll have a room and you'll have a wall and you'll have one picture, like you'll go in and, and there'll be a hundred pictures, a hundred masterpieces inches apart. And there's no way to take it all in. I mean, it's overwhelming. People fly from all over the world to go to the Hermitage. People save up, and that's their literally their bucket list one trip before I die, I got to see place, is the Hermitage. And so you walk in, and everybody there is wide-eyed, and, and they're taking pictures, and they're gasping, or they're sitting, or they're taking notes, or they've got their tour guides out, and they're looking. Everybody, that is, except the babushkas, who sit in each room keeping people from getting too close or doing anything inappropriate or talking too loud. And they literally sit with their backs to the artwork, looking at the people, and they don't have a very friendly look on their face. <laughs> they're, they're not the generous, smiley type at all. They've usually got, got this scowl. And listen, you have not been scolded in your life till you've been scolded by a babushka. Because they will let you know what you have done wrong in no uncertain terms and how you are immediately to fix it. And so I thought about this as I reflected on being there. And as I was preparing for this message today, I thought, you know what? I'm just like those babushkas, when it comes to so much. We live in a heaven-soaked, glory-filled world. The world that we live in, the world that we get to take part in, the world that we inhabit is so much grander than any museum, even the Hermitage, could replicate. And yet, how often do I find myself feeling just like one of those museum guards with my back to the glory, a scowl on my face, impervious or oblivious to the beauty that is around me? Now, we're going to talk this week, starting today, about solo Deo Gloria, to God only be the glory. This concept, this idea, is the natural culmination of all the rest. This is where solo fide, solo gracia, solo scriptura lead us. Faith, grace, the word, lead us to give God glory. This is the culmination of them with this. And so let's pray this morning and ask the Holy Spirit to be with us to open our hearts to the glory of God. God, look at this crowd. Look at this group. Every boy and girl, man and woman in here is created in your image. We are all icons of your glory reflecting your creation and your purpose. And together we make up the bride of Christ. We make up your bride. We are brought together. And together we take on 
a radiance that no one of us has on our own, but only comes when we are together in your name. And God, help us now. Help us to have eyes that are open to your beauty, ears that are open to your music, hearts that are open to love this heaven-soaked, glory-filled world. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So kids, here's the deal. We have to be able to see this glory. We have to be able to understand it, and we have to be able to give it back. Because you're going to have a choice every day. You're going to have a choice. The, the question is not, are we going to give glory or not? The question is, to whom is it going to be given? All of us are giving glory. All of us are giving props. All of us are giving attention. All of us are giving our affection to someone or something. That's just what we do as humans. We're glory givers. We're love givers. We're attention givers. That's what we do. We're always doing it all the time. So the question is not, are we going to give glory? The question is, to whom or to what? And if we don't give it to God, then who's getting it? And what's the effect of that? How is that helping with that? Paul mimics, mimics this or, or talks about it in his letter um, to the Corinthians. And he talks about going through life, doing things, thinking things, acting in ways that gives glory to God. And this is what he says. This is in 1 Corinthians 10, starting in verse 23. He says, look, everything is lawful, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is lawful, but not everything builds others up. Others up. Do not seek your own good, but the good of the other person. And then he goes on, because the Christians at that time, they had, this, they had this dilemma. If they went to someone's house who wasn't a follower of Jesus, and the way they made their food sometimes caused people to think that they weren't really following Jesus, that maybe they were, they were compromising on that. And so he goes on and he tells them this. He says, look, eat anything that is sold at the marketplace without question of conscience. For the earth and its abundance are the Lord's. So Paul is saying... Everything is God's. Everything comes from God. It all can be used from his for His glory. He says, but if an unbeliever invites you in for dinner and you want to go, eat whatever's there. It's okay. You've prayed over it. Goodness is more than evil. Blessing is more than curse. Take it in. He says, but if someone says to you, this is from a sacrifice, he goes, well, then don't eat it. Because the one who told you, because of the one who told you, and because of conscience. I do not mean yours, but the other person's. For why is my freedom being judged by another's conscience? If I partake with, with thankfulness, why am I blamed for the food that I give thanks for? And the whole thing is summed up here. So whatever you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do everything for the glory of God. Everything for the glory of God. So, how many of you are in school? Raise your head. Raise, raise your hands. <laughs> James is in school, too. Yeah. 
You know, school is one of those places, it's one of those times where you're trying to figure out who you are, trying to figure out who you're going to be. There's been a, uh, a thing going around where people are supposed to show embarrassing images of themselves lately on Facebook. I haven't heard this thing like preteen stuff. So you get, a, you get this lovely image of me this morning. Um, <laughs> this is me when I was in school trying to figure out who I was going to be. Trying to figure out how to know who I was. And listen... I, I tried all kinds of stuff, man. I looked at movie stars. I was going to be John Wayne for a long time, so I was going to wear cowboy stuff, and I was going to do that. And I looked at other movie stars, and Steve McQueen comes around, and man, I'm going to ride motorcycles, and I'm going to do this, and then, and then maybe, it was the, maybe it was the musician, and I'm going to be the next Jim Croce, show you how old I am. Um, but, uh, you know, we're looking all the time to try to define who we're going to be. You can take that down now, Donnie. That's... <laughs> That's good. Um, <laughs> but God gives us an answer. And here's the thing. Here's the thing you need to know. You need to know this when you're six. You need to know it when you're 16. You need to know it when you're 60. Is that our ultimate image, our ultimate identity is found by looking at God and seeing how God looks at us. That's where we truly find out who we are. That's where we can find the place where the world starts to make sense and we can find joy that transcends our circumstance. Where we can find peace, peace in the midst of even the most demanding, confusing circumstances. That here's the crazy thing. As we turn to give God the glory, not athletes, not musicians, not superstar, not business people, not internet idols, not our friends, not the cool kids at school, not our spouses or our girlfriends or boyfriends, but as we turn and give that to God, then He soaks us with His image even more. He reveals to us who we are in God. He reveals to us why we were recreated. He gives us and speaks to the identity that He has created. And here's the thing. That's really the only reasonable response. That's only the only reasonable response to who God is. Is to give Him glory. When we can turn and see God, and when we understand who God is, then it's like, well, who else are we going to give it to? Who else compares to God? Who else created the universe? Who else made the stars? Who else sustains life by holding our molecules together? Of course that's who we're going to give glory to. It would be silly to give glory to anyone else. But it's not just by observing, it's by experiencing this. Giving God glory is only reasonable response, not only to who God is, but what God has done, what God is doing, and what God will do. Psalm 63 says this, it says, So I have looked upon you in your sanctuary, beholding your power and glory, because your steadfast love... Your steadfast love that you've given to me, that you're giving to me, and that you will give to me is better than life. I will, my lips will praise you 
so I will bless you as long as I live. I will lift up my hands and call upon your name. Why else, who else are we going to give this glory to? When we realize what God has done for us, when we realize what God is doing in our lives and we realize what God is ultimately going to do, it's just, it, it becomes a, the fruit, it becomes the response that is rooted in this gratitude with it. But here's the thing. It's not always easy, is it? It's not always easy to see the glory. It's not always easy to see the beauty. We get distracted. We get tempted. Our senses become dull. It becomes commonplace. It becomes useful. It be, we just become so used to it that we don't see it. So we have to practice giving God glory. Like this is why, one of the reasons why we come to church. And I have a couple illustrations for this. So when we came in here, we started by praying. We said a prayer together. But you know what prayer teaches us to do? Prayer also teaches us to play. Prayer teaches us to play. Because play can only happen when we are secure. Play can happen when we know the essential things are taken care of. Play happens when we know we're safe. And so when we pray, when we, when we ask God, we go to God, we communicate to God, we relate to God with that, then we can play effortlessly. We can pray unconsciously in a way. It just becomes something that's natural. And beauty and glory opens up around us. Now we've also worshipped this morning. We did the with Alex and the guys leading us. And we took time to pray and to sing and to give God glory. Well, you know what worship allows us to do in a worshipful way is work. Now, here's a school book that probably would scare some people, right? You remember these when you were a student? You just looked at the side of it and you're like, ain't no way. This one happens to be one of my favorite books. But when we worship, when we give ourselves to worship, we start to see that worship is not just something that stops when we leave the church. We start to see that worship isn't something that we only do when Alex and the, and the band is leading us in singing. We start to see that worship permeates all of our doing, all of our being. That we do everything. We go to school and we balance our checkbook. We sweep the yard. We clean our rooms. We do that as an act of worship. And so glory starts to permeate our lives. What we practice here goes out into the rest of our lives. Now this one's, this one's really special to me. Abby Morris is going to be baptized next week. We've been talking about it. Yeah! And so baptism is this sign of washing. It's this sign... It's this public declaration in our community that says, 
I love Jesus and I confess with all my heart that I believe that what Jesus said is true and I want to apprentice to follow Jesus for the rest of my life. And we as the community, we look back and we go, yay, Abby, yes, Abby. We believe with you and we will be the community that walks with you. And the, the going in the water symbolizes this washing And I want you to think about that the next time you wash a dish. The next time you stand in your kitchen and you pull out the scrubber and you wash that and you think there's glory in things being clean. There's glory that things can be dirtied but then made clean again just like we have been. And so in our baptism, and we remember our baptism, we understand that that, in the world, we are agents to bring that out. And we see God redeeming and cleaning things. And then the last thing, and you're going to get to do it today, kids, when you come up with your mom and dad and you take communion, and we'll talk about what that is a little bit more, but this meal here is what defines every meal that we take. When we practice communion together, then we go home and we cook our omelets, which is our tradition at the Ray House on Sunday afternoons, or whatever it is. And we look at that and we go, I have been provided for. I have been given not just the food which satisfies for a little time, but I have been literally given the bread of heaven, the bread of life. That I have eaten, tasted, and taken in the food which brings eternal life. And so we can take these temporary meals, these omelets and pizzas and sandwiches and soups and we see the glory of God revealed in them and so it no longer just becomes a choice between do I want this or what I want that it becomes a way of understanding God's provision for us and then we turn around and give that provision or give that glory and that thanks back to God one last thing We're also going to pass around the offering plate today. We do that every Sunday to share. It's an act of worship. It's not an act of paying the bills. It's not a shakedown. It's worship, what we do. And then we understand as we are given the opportunity to participate in worship by giving, then we understand also we have stewardship. Stewardship, yes, over our own lives, but also over this planet, over this world. We've been given tools. One of them is our money. And we dedicate a sacrificial portion of that to the work that this church does and the work that the church is doing all around the world. But we understand that that stewardship is more than just giving money to the church. That stewardship is to extend it to every part of our lives. And so we look at everything that we're called to do from maintaining a household to keeping the car running. Everything that we do is an act of stewardship with that. 
And as we do that, we, see, we start to see God's glory permeate every part of this planet. And we respond by taking care of it. There's a couple different ways to help you think about this. Uh, some of us, you've heard, we went to the Apprentice Gathering not too long ago in Wichita and heard uh, Tish Harrison Warren speak. Andrew Brewer and, and Jane have read this book and they highly recommend it. I haven't gotten very far in it, but I love what I read so far. It's called The Liturgy of the Ordinary. So if you, if you have trouble seeing glory, if you have trouble understanding how changing diapers, paying taxes, making another deadline can be holy work, this might be the book for you. But there's another book coming out, which I want to quote from. It's a friend of mine. She, she's actually, she lived here with her husband for a time in Fayetteville. Her name is Caitlin Curtis. And she's got a book coming out called Glory Happening. And she writes this, a, a story of an experience of being in church, or in a community group, sorry. She said, I'd sit in the kitchen and watch my friend do what she does, scrub the sink, speak to me about what it means to walk in the Spirit while making dinner for all of us and cleaning out the coffee grinder. She taught me how to eat dark chocolate and raw sprout raw, sprout raw almonds, how to drink wine and laugh. I learned a new language of community with these people. I learned family and meal sharing, how to speak about being a parent with actually, without actually being one. I just watched them most of the time, and it was a blessing to be brought into their kind of reality. I didn't take it lightly. My friend showed me what it was, showed, showed me what the all-encompassing role of mother and wife and church leader and friend and psychologist and rock climber looked like. And I see it in the church. Hands lifted in worship, bodies swaying to the rhythm of music and the spirit. I remember the way we prayed together, the way we sought God together, the way we screwed up together, and the way we tried our best to take grace away. She goes on to say, and now when I scrub my kitchen sink, every single time I think of my friend in that church, that community that birthed us into our marriage and carried us for a few short years before we moved on to a new season in a new town. Listen, that's, that's what we do here, is we practice that. We learn how to see glory and give glory to God. The things that we do here are not meant to stay here. This is not some kind of ritual we perform to check off a list so that God will be happy with us. What we do here in our messed up, underfunded, crazy ways are try to learn to respond to the Spirit Try to learn to see where God is working. Try to understand this heaven-soaked, glory-filled world so that we can give that glory back to God. And I thought about this, you know, well, how do we do this? I've talked about practicing it. St. Arrhenius said, the glory of God is a person fully alive. This tree that I stole a branch from in the Ozark National Forest gives glory to God by being a tree. These berries give glory to God by being their berry self. 
We give glory to God when we are fully alive, when we are cognizant of the beauty that is around us, the glory that fills us, and fills that person sitting next to you right now, and fills us as a community together when we meet. We're going to give glory to somebody, y'all. Somebody's going to get it. Somebody's going to get it. God's the only one that deserves it and the only one that brings peace when we do it. Thank you for being here. I'm going to ask the, the band to come up, the group to come up again. You know, the reformers, they understood. They understood that through centuries, things had covered up that idea of giving God glory. They understood that by centuries of, of losing sight of that, that the church had become corrupt, that the practices had become centered in giving glory to other things other than God. We're no better than them, y'all. The temptation for us is just the same. It may be different, but it is, it is the same temptation. And as you come together today to take communion, ask yourself, has anything else started to take the glory that is rightfully God? Has anything else started to take that away? And then just lay it aside. Lay it aside. And focus back on where it belongs. I'm going to ask Abby and Jordan to come up. They're going to serve us today, this communion meal. And kids, as you come up with your parents, know that this is the meal that informs every other meal. And that's kind of what Jesus was saying, I think. Maybe, in part, when on that last night, he took the wine and he offered it to him and he said, this is my blood, shared as part of a new covenant, a new way of eating and drinking, a new way of living, a new way of imagining. In the same way, he took the bread that night, something very common, and he made it something supernatural. His body, broken for us which now teaches us how to eat everything when we eat this. So we don't dismiss by rose here at Grace. You come up as you feel led. The table is open to all who are seeking Jesus. And let us do this and everything to the glory of God. Thank you for being here.